G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Every parent will agree that our children are capable of extraordinary things. They are listening and imitating from the time they're born and they learn to communicate before they can speak. Their social awareness continues to grow along with their emotional maturity. Their ability to exercise self-control kicks in, I'm told, around about age four. By adolescence, our kids are transitioning into adulthood and they're becoming susceptible to things like stress. In teenage years, brain connections are developing to advance to higher thinking, to emotions, sexual function, learning, memory and higher judgment. And as parents, if we can understand the way our child is developing, we can nurture them in a healthy direction. We're going to be talking about our children and their minds today on 2020. Our special guest, Dr. John Warlow, is an adult child and family psychiatrist and is the developer of what's known as the Christian Wholeness Framework. His passion is Christian wholeness, taking the whole gospel to the whole person. John Warlow, always love our conversations and a special welcome along to today's edition of 2020. Neil, great to be with you as usual. And I really hope that this uh, broadcast will be very helpful for parents, practical and but very Christ-centered as well. And this is going to be the real distinction here, because whenever we talk, we're talking about a Christ-centeredness. Uh, you love this uh, concept of uh, God-centered relationships, God-centeredness. And that's what's going to set our conversation apart from people who might be talking in a secular sense today, because there are ways that people who might be secular psychologists or psychiatrists, they might talk about things a whole lot different to the way that you'd love to present these things, John. The God-centered side is incredibly relevant for children, for teenagers, for parents, for families. It's central to it all, Neil. Not only do we want to explore the mind of our children, but also the influences that come in to our children's minds. And as we set up a conversation today, we would be able to identify that there are good influences and there are bad influences. And I suppose that's a simple way of saying that the influences on our children's mind matters. Uh, what are your thoughts when it comes to the influences upon our children? There is a battle for the mind for children. And uh, there are negative influences, things which will re result in time with the children growing up into teenagers and then into adulthood where they're in a very different and worse place than where they could be compared to if the battle of the mind had started to be won in childhood and teenagers. Teenage. It's just a, such a critical issue. Uh, 
When you use the word battle, I think this is going to be an important element of what we might be unpacking over this coming hour. Uh, This idea that the mind is a battlefield. And as adults, we start to recognize uh, the goodies and the baddies at war with one another in our minds. And we look at ways in which we can, uh, you know, bring all of those uh, thoughts uh, into submission to Christ. And we recognize that there are bad elements and there are good elements. But uh, just let us in on what's happening in children's minds because they are not yet at a place of maturity where they're able to discern the good and the bad. It's just such a challenging era we're in, particularly uh, with the smartphone, just totally changed the influences on children whereby influences can just about come from anywhere and anywhere The on the one hand. On the other hand, it's just a tremendous opportunity for parents to actually get involved. And I know that parenting is not easy. I've had five kids and it wasn't easy. I'm very grateful for where they, where they've turned up. But I really want to encourage parents today and find ways of helping them to actually be able to protect the child's mind uh, and to grow in in a God-centered way, to teach the child the way they should grow so that in the end uh, they'll be walking in that path. And, of course, we're going to want to be practical wherever we can in talking about a child's mind and how that develops and how we as parents can be an influence upon that. Uh, So, But let's talk not so much practical for a moment. Uh, Let's talk about the mind of a child. Uh, And, you know, in some sense, uh, people even argue over where the mind is. Uh, But uh, so let's talk about what most people might understand here so that we can so we can get to a point where uh, where we can actually be speaking, you know, into the situations that families might be facing. Let's talk about the mind. Okay. How do we understand that, John? And this is really important. So any listeners there, just grab your coffee, sit down for two minutes and listen to this bit. If you're driving, uh, park your car or whatever. Um, but a really helpful way of seeing not just children but adults and even yourself is like a tower. It's actually a circuit, circular, circular tower. And this is the way we're made. And the tower has five circles. You have five circles. Everyone has five circles. Whether they're Christian or not, they have a central circle, the spirit. Outside of that, that's the next lot of rooms, as it were, in this circular um, building, is the heart, the depths of us. The next lot of uh, of rooms on the circle just outside of the heart is the mind. And then the last set of rooms is the physical side. On the outside of the building is the social side. That makes up five circles. Inside out is social, sorry, spiritual, heart, mind, body, and social. And it's really important just just to grasp this because if we can wander around the building and even our building, so I'm on the 65th floor, Neil. I'm on the 65th floor. I got my senior citizens card (laughs) as well. And I can wander around not just my floor, my current floor, my physical, my mind, my heart, my spirit, but also I can go right down the floors of um, of my whole life. Same with any parent, regardless if you're 30, 20, and whether your children 
uh, are two, six, ten, fifteen, wherever. Really helpful way because once you grasp this, you can actually start to walk into the rooms of the mind and know where you are and know where to go. Uh, love the illustration and we might come back to it a time or two so we don't lose track of this illustration but you know what's going on in my mind as we're hearing you share those things uh, uh, no doubt all of our listeners will be familiar with the way that a high-rise building is built and uh, you know if you live in any of the tourist centres around Australia you'll know that there are high-rise skyscrapers going up uh, and uh, significant buildings being built but they all start at the bottom floor and then you've got a crane and the crane is uh, is uh, you know is taking concrete and all those bits and pieces and one floor is being added to another and and before you know it you've got a substantial building and uh, and you say how high is that building going to be because you know unless you're a part of the planning and the process you don't know that it's going to be a 30 story building it could be a, as you say a 65 story building they you know they're getting taller and taller i know but but you've got the mind and which is what we're talking about today, uh, you've got floor upon floor upon floor being built up and up. And I imagine that when we talk about those younger years, we're talking about the lower floors. We're also familiar with the idea that in some places, and I know that Sydney listeners will be across this more, where there's been controversy over high-rise buildings that look like they could be, you know, having faults, the possibility of crumbling, people being evacuated from those buildings with the thought that the building might fall down. Uh, let's talk about the practical sense in which the building works here, John. Let's go into the mind circle, the rooms in the mind, if we could, and there are five rooms, five rooms in the mind. And this helps us to see and look into the child's mind. There are three really important ones, and then there's two others. The three important rooms or parts of the mind of the child are firstly the mood room, the mood room. That has the feelings in it. Um, then there's the learning room. That's the school bit. Then there is the thought side, the thought room. What our thoughts are like. And there are ways, simple ways where we can actually help a child to have more control of their thoughts. And indeed, as Christian parents, help them to take captive their thoughts to obey Christ as well. <clears throat> Pardon me. So when we're in a battle, taking captive of these thoughts is going to be important because if we take captive of bad influences, those things are going to shape the way the building of our life is built. Uh, taking captive those good thoughts shapes the building very strong. And uh, I guess we want to see our children grow strong. And this issue of how we help shape the mind is a part of that. Absolutely. And there are techniques and strategies, Neil, and I hope we can actually go through some of those for parents to be able to recognize the types of thinking. And there's about five or so types of thinking children have. But also, maybe if your child's having learning problems, difficult problems, that's part of the mind too. Maybe a bit more the brain part of the mind, but still part of the mind. And then what to do with feelings. If they're sad, angry, or worried, what do you do with those as a parent? I know that there'll be parents who will be listening to our conversation today and everyone's doing this sort of self-assessment about how I'm doing as a parent and where my children might be at. 
if I recognize that there may be some weaknesses that need attending, or I might be, on the other hand, thinking, oh, isn't my child fabulous, doing so well in all of these sorts of areas? Uh, this idea of doing a self-assessment on your family to be able to, it's like a little bit of a family audit, uh, do we need to have special care here or do we need to withdraw something from that particular area? Do we need to add something in? What are your thoughts for how parents might do a self-assessment here? Yeah. Evaluation is just really important in Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Uh, the psalmist says, Search me, O God, and know all my circles, know all my building, know my heart, know my mind, my thoughts, and know my ways, my physical circle, and lead me in your ways everlasting. Evaluation, uh, being able to look at, hey, where am I? Where's my marriage? Where's my family? Is such a biblical way to go. We illustrate that in the Christian wholeness framework in the five steps and the five shapes, particularly the fifth step. We talk about the cure for life, and we can come on to that because that can give real secrets for parents regarding how to address their kids and how to help their kids. But the fifth step, so we don't call it C-U-R-E-E, otherwise it would be like the cure for life. Um, just to make it easier, we call the cure for life. But the fifth step, fifth step is a really important one. It's evaluation. It's God search me, search my marriage, search my family. See if there's any wicked way in me that I might go in your way, God-centered way as opposed to a self-centered way. And let me just ask you here, John, because if we're talking about shaping our children's minds, uh, that might indicate a need for the health of the mind of the parent. And I'm wondering whether it's ever too late to have that transformation. You might say, well, you don't know my background, John Warlow. I've been through the mill. I've been through such tough times. My mind is twisted. Uh, people have been through addictions and all sorts of challenging circumstances and uh, the effects of abuse, those things. Uh, they think, my mind is not so great as it is. Now I'm going to be influencing my children's minds. How does the parent's mind health uh, relate to the child? This is central, and in the Christian wholeness framework, we actually make it number one. We have to be transformed ourselves first before we transform others. If you go down the lift in my building, Neil, 65th floor now, those first 10 years were not good. I had no one. Largely, I was brought up um, uh, in an institution. It was actually a boarding school in India. And those first floors were pretty empty, and they're not meant to be empty uh, for children. And I'm just grateful for the way God's transformed me. And not in the just in the past tense is transforming me right today, right this last weekend, like right this coming weekend. I'm on that journey of transformation of what we also call sanctification, of being a disciple of Jesus. And unless as individuals or as parents we are seeking to be followers of Jesus, we're not gonna actually having such we're not gonna have such an impact a godly impact on our kids. Well, I want to invite listeners to join into our conversation today. And as you can hear, I did say a little earlier, you might need to lean in a little closer to the radio to catch the finer points. And you might be thinking, well, I've got this challenge in my family uh, with my children. 
Uh, we're talking about the mind today, so we are talking about mental health, and isn't it wonderful? We have an expert with us today who is a psychiatrist, uh, and that's someone who's very highly trained. And, John, as you've said, on the 65th floor, you've got a lot of experience uh, in your past, too, to be able to offer for parents who might be listening in today who are concerned about these sorts of issues with their own children. So I want to invite listeners, you might have a practical uh, scenario that you'd like to present and get John's comment on that. So 1-800-316-316. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. We're talking about our children and their mind today, and our very special guest is Dr. John Warlow. In fact, he's written a number of books, one called The Cure for Life, Part 1, God-Centered Transformation. The Cure for Life, Part 2, is God-Centered Relationships, and we're looking forward to a third part that's coming out sometime uh, into the very near future. As we're talking about our children's minds, John, let's talk about some of the things that parents will be concerned about right now. Uh, things like a child being anxious. And right now, with coronavirus and all of the challenges we've had with natural disasters, lots of people are anxious. So it's not just our children, but anxiousness, sadness, or even our children just somehow or other overflowing with being angry. Uh, these are three key areas here. What are your thoughts? So uh, your child, a child might come back today from school just worried what's happened, um, what's really sad what's happened. You ask them, hey, how's school gone? Fine. Um, what do you do with that? But you know it hasn't gone fine. How do you go about that when you pick them up in the car when they arrive home? How do you go about that? And there are the four simple steps to actually uh, address that because feelings are a window into the more deeper structure of a child, the heart. And how do you actually use the window in the room, as it were, of the mind, the emotional or mood room, to actually look deeper into the heart so you can really help your child have a better year 2020, regardless of which grade they might be in, or even if they're in prep or kindy. Okay, and so anxiousness, sadness, and anger, uh, are they all connected to the heart? Because, uh, you know, we talk about the anxiousness. Uh, what about, uh, you know, issues of being angry? We've got children, sometimes they, some people will describe this generation as a very angry uh, young set of children, uh, children who are, you know, their tantrums go way beyond what they used to. The um, issue of anger is often looked as an outside mood that it points you outside. They get angry in their behavior. And in fact, all of these moods stop someone, stop a parent from actually looking into the child and going, looking through the window of the emotions into the heart. And regardless of whether they're struggling, being submerged by anxiety, sadness or anger, in some ways, it doesn't matter that where there is that lack of love, joy, and peace, but there's the negative or submerged feelings, as it were, of those three, anxiety, anger, and sadness. There's a, 
it's really important for the parent first to connect with that child and secondly to understand that child, to start to walk the steps with that child in a way which can then be really helpful and be responsive to that child. I have this uh, idea that when we talk about these sorts of issues, and as parents who are Christian parents, we actually come to these challenges with a huge advantage over people who are not people of faith, who are not Christian-minded, who have somehow rather decided to let their Christianity slip. Because when you say you're talking about these sorts of issues of anxiety and sadness and being angry, these are feelings that are a window into the heart, that as Christian believers... We actually have an advantage because we have an idea what is going on. The problem is in humanity with the heart. And if we get the heart right, then I imagine that uh, some of those things can resolve themselves. Uh, The advantage here for Christian parents. There is a huge, what I call Christian advantage uh, for parents, for us as individuals, for kids as well. Um, One is that when the child or teenager comes home, it's actually not just the two of you. It's not just the teenager, the child and you. Actually, God is there too. And that triangle is incredibly powerful. We call it the trialogue, is actually being aware of God's presence where it can be GTY, God through you to that snotty uh, teenager, to that hot and sweaty kid or whatever. Um, so you don't, we don't have to react to our teenagers, but we can be not reactive, but proactive. Why? Because God's there. Lorraine on Facebook leaves a comment today and she says adult and child views are greatly different even in Christian families. Exposure to so much on television and media is straining the minds of our young. Life should be play, read and love and teach genuine learning. What are your thoughts for Lorraine as she offers her thoughts? Hey, Lorraine, come here and take the seat. That's absolutely spot on, (laughs) uh, right? And I think, I mean, we are... Last child was just was hitting teenage when the smartphones, when the screens were really having an impact. And um, it, it is not easy. And I love it. Play. Uh, that's the fun. Fun is connection for kids. Read. Um, yeah, the uh, uh, mind you, I was a bad reader myself. But anyway, and that I didn't even have the smartphone there. But r- reading, getting the kids to read, to learn, to love and to laugh. Um, I think there's another word you mentioned there. But absolutely, it's not easy for the parents to do that, especially when the child, the teenager says, hey, mom, all the other kids do this. That does not make it easy at all. That's right. And look, I want to invite listeners to join in our conversation. And there is a question on our Facebook page that Lorraine responded to. Are we doing a good job nurturing and protecting the minds of our children? Just a minute or so out from the news. That question, as parents will be thinking about how they'll respond. Uh, any thoughts here, John, for uh, are we doing a good job? Can you just make an assessment on that easily? Look, I think personally, my own view is that we're getting worse and worse. There's more of a battle for the mind 
find as uh, as things go on uh, as an overall general um, uh, broad brush approach in terms of this era, this decade, postmodern uh, uh, philosophy, etc. Et um, but I think for the individual family, we can do a good good job. We can do a good job, and there are ways of doing that. Just because things are going bad in a wider society does not mean that your Christian family needs to suffer at all. Uh, That's what I'm hearing from Dr. John Warlow, who is our guest. We are talking about children and their minds and how they're shaped. John, as we've been talking about the tower, as we've been talking about those negative uh, images that we might have of our children being anxious or sad, or angry. I mentioned just a moment ago that there may be some ways that parents can predict the mental health of their children by looking at certain aspects of their life. How do you think, what is the best way for a parent right now to be able to make an assessment of how their child might be developing with a certain level of mental health? One way to do this is to actually go into another part of the child's mind. We've been looking at the mood part, and now we're going into the thought room, as it were, of the child. And if we can see whether the the child is basically optimistic or pessimistic, that's going to actually have a huge impact on which way that child is going to go. If everything they talk about is just negative, the cup is half empty, not half full, or vice versa. That is a really important thing for the parent to be aware of and then to be able to connect with that child understand why that child's thinking that way and providing alternatives for that child to be maybe thinking in not such a gloomy way like Eeyore does with Winnie the Pooh, uh, but in a more positive way, uh, which will help this child to grow into greater mental health. Interesting, isn't it, that in every friendship group we can separate different ones and say, you know, that one's optimistic and that one's pessimistic. And uh, even as you say, Eeyore, out of the Winnie the Pooh stories, uh, always gloomy, always pessimistic. And we think that that's sort of a natural phenomenon for some people, that they are naturally a pessimistic, gloomy type of a person. But you're saying that actually might be an indicator that some change needs to happen happen and you can help that as a parent exactly it's not set in concrete although that child might be like a five floor building because they're five years of age or even a 70 uh, sorry a 17 floor building it is not sent set in concrete that child's thinking can change but for the parent they need to be really careful how to go about changing those thoughts to actually go out to that child whether it's a 16 year old or four year old whatever and say don't think like that is not going to help okay we talked about those negative moods in the first part of our conversation around being anxious sad and angry and we might be able to say well you know i've got one of my children might be a little bit like that and a little bit too much Uh, there is a certain sense here in which you can have another assessment here about the happiness of your child and you think john warlow that if your child is not happy a certain amount of the time there may be some issue here and you can actually take uh, take uh, uh, some action as a parent 
A really helpful question to ask yourself as a parent is what percentage of the time is my child happy or not happy? Happy is like basically where the feelings are going well. They're uh, what we call above the water level. They're not drowning in those three more negative moods of anxiety, sadness, and anger. Uh, as Christians, we also might call that those happy feelings love, joy, and peace as well. But if the child, and also parent, if for yourself as well, um, your the feelings are less, the, the happy, positive feelings, I'm not talking about laugh, 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 ha, ha, ha feelings, I'm talking about basically positive, uh, yeah, where there is some joy, there is that peace, there is that happiness. Uh, the, if that's less than 50%, those positive feelings, then that child of yours, that teenager, maybe even yourself, needs to go and see your GP and say, hey, Dr. John was on Vision Radio, and this is what he said, and he told me to go and see you. Okay, <laughs> might be a few extra appointments at the GP. A one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen to join in our conversation today. Let's take a call from Elisha in Ballina in New South Wales. Hi, Elisha, welcome along. Hi. It is Alicia, or is Elisha Alicia? It's Alicia, but my son's <laughs> name is Elijah. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Alicia, what are your thoughts for our conversation? Well, actually, I haven't heard the whole lot. My mother has, and she asked me to call in, um, which I think is appropriate. My um, teenager, he's 16, Elijah, uh, has no real care, and that's a worrying... I think that's my biggest worry is no consequence or just not caring. Okay, and uh, a thought or two here from Dr John Warlow. When our children are are apathetic, uh, they don't care, uh, for Alicia here, what are your thoughts? Great. Look, thanks, Alicia. And we remember the uh, story in the Bible, don't we, about Elijah. And at one stage, Elijah in the Bible did not care. In fact, he got really bad. He actually got suicidal. Just let me die, he said. And so, uh, Alicia, can I just ask you some things and see what you think about this? Okay. Firstly, um, on a scale of zero to ten, zero is you really have concerns about Elijah that he'll even, could even kill himself. Uh, suicide in teenagers is the commonest form of death. But that's zero, okay? Ten is, hey, he's coming to make you happy, coming to make me happy, and so on. Five is, yeah, head above water. But uh, um, how's he going with with uh, on that scale, Alicia? Oh, I wouldn't think suicide is there. I think he loves life too much, but I guess the struggle for him is real. He has moved out, um, but, yeah, I wouldn't say suicidal. That's not really... Okay, so what I'm hearing, Alicia, if I'm right, he's above the water level, as, as it were. He's above that five, and he's enjoying life, live, living, living it up, but just doesn't care and doesn't take consequences into action um, and, and has moved out. That's what I'm hearing. Is that correct, Alicia? Yes, he's also about to get his license. Okay. Scary stuff. <laughs> okay. Now, this is scary stuff because, in fact, sometimes uh, when kids don't care and don't take consequences, we can actually imagine their life as a car, 
not just literally the car, but their life as a car. And that control side of things, the not caring, the consequences, that's like a, the steering, a larger steering wheel. And I really uh, get that. It's scary because in a way, his life can be a bit like an out of control car, let alone when he's in a car, excuse me, using this metaphor, Alicia, uh, but when he's in a car, that's going to be doubly scary. And I get that. And for parents, that's really, really hard. And underneath this, Alicia, I'm just wondering, what's your major question from your point of view? Uh, when will it end? <laughs> yes, you're, yeah. what you're saying, Alicia, is, uh, is there a time, even though my teenager might be going through this time of not caring, will they grow out of it? Alicia, a lot of kids do. A lot of kids do work out of it. How do you accelerate that process? How do you know where they're at? And if, can I just give you a few tips? Uh, and you can get more in the book, uh, The Cure for Life, which Vision Radio have. But can I just give you a few tips on that? Sure. Yeah. Um, they may or may not apply to him, but they're fairly general as well. You're, you're a parent. You're not as, um, Pastor, you're not, you may not even have one. His, you're not his teacher. He, I don't know what's going on at school. And you're not, you're not his GP. And the reason I say this is you're just a part of the answer. If, um, if, uh, Elijah can be in a youth group, he may be, but I mean, that just makes such a difference. And you so know that anyway, uh, mm-hmm. firstly. And also, if, you know, you'll be praying for him, for God to be central in, in his life. Cause getting back to the car metaphor, if we don't have God as central in our life, it's like we lose our center. We lose our wheel balance. Um, so you've got a car which is out of control with wheel balance problems. If I could just, uh, uh, give you those metaphors firstly secondly he's on the 17th floor of his building he's 17 years old okay mm-hmm. um and so just look down uh, at the previous floors and see if there's been any past damage what's what's been going on there because the further back you go and the more floors where there's mess where there's smells where there's mm-hmm. even fires as it were then the longer it is going to be till Elijah comes through this. Maybe okay. just uh, uh, a final thing. I mean, there's a uh, uh, just two more things. One is your role as a parent is just to connect with him. At okay. this time in life, and I've had this experience with one of my kids, they might not even want you to ask any questions. Just okay. don't ask me, mom. Just, uh, but all you can do is just connect. And it's just mm-hmm. such a test of of just being with him, being his mum, because there's no one else in the world other than you to be his mum. Um, yeah. And um, the last thing, as you know, is friends, the power of friends and indeed the power of screen. 17 years old, you're probably out of that area where you can have much control over his his phone or whatever no, that, uh, that definitely controls his life it's so hard isn't it mm, and yeah. um uh, if you if you fund it well um i mean if he funds it well the horse has bolted in many ways and it's really hard um if you fund it well uh, that's a thing you and your husband have to work through uh, in terms of the money side side of things 
Um, but the other big thing, the other big influence as well, yeah, and you know, it's just, it's just so obvious, is friends. And is there anyone in your church who can actually just buddy up with him, a youth leader who can just give him a text, who can actually just even say, hey, let's just go for a coffee, a drink, or whatever. Um, uh, he, if he's out of the church community, even doing something like that can be so powerful. Really appreciate you ringing in, Alicia. Such a good question. Thank you so much for your advice. Elisha, thank you so much. And uh, thanks to Elisha's mum. And uh, hopefully that is helpful. And no doubt there'll be listeners uh, who have a child in the same circumstance as that. Let me just come back here for a moment, John, to this idea of uh, the waterline, the mid-level. You said, uh, you know, if you're talking about zero being really, really bad and uh, 10 being okay, five is the sort of the waterline, you've got children potentially who are under that waterline, some with their head above water, some who are drowning under those, as we called them, uh, negative uh, emotions, uh, those anxious, sad and angry moods. For parents who are listening to our conversation saying, no, you know, Alicia's child sounds like a little angel compared to mine. (laughs) You know, uh, mine's really drowning here and... You know, the one who's desperate but maybe won't want to be calling in and, and talking to uh, to someone on the radio. What are your thoughts for the person who's who's got a child who's below five? Child who's below five, that child basically needs help. And so what I'd be saying to the parents is keep that number in your mind. Connect with your child. Try and understand where they see themselves. Often they might say, mm, like a monosyllabic grunt or fine stuff like that but you know they're not and so where do you get help from and the wonderful thing about being parent is you don't have to do it alone and particularly i think the christian advantage is hey who's in the church who can actually connect with this child what about the teacher as well and scripture unit i mean they are legends and they just do do great things as well as do other um, outreach for, for kids, but, uh, can they actually connect with and understand that child who's, who's struggling and suffering? What that child needs most is connection because once there's connection, then understanding the child can actually occur. If the, then the next step after that is even you as a parent, just go and have a chat with your GP. And who would have thought that your local church youth group is a part of your child's mental health regime? And as you say, John, and uh, you mentioned groups like Scripture Union, wonderful organization where you can send your children to a camp on a school holidays and they can be a part of a camp there where there are appropriately qualified leaders who are being able to uh, just include your child, uh, reinforce those good values, bring in uh, the scripture. It's called Scripture Union. Those sorts of camps uh, do wonders uh, for children. At uh, 1-800-316-316 to join our conversation, let's hear from Barbara in Brisbane. Hi, Barbara. Barbara. Barbara, uh, I can't hear you very well. What are your thoughts? Oh, um, how's that? That's better. Yep. Oh, great. Okay, look, what I'm, I'm a concerned grandparent. Uh, my daughter's got a four and a seven-year-old. Um, um, what did you say? It's, it's as different as night and day um, when we grew up and when uh, um, this age. And she acts on 
my daughter acts on all the mistakes I've made, so she's going to give her children everything that I didn't give her. Um, her. So, okay, the children's clothes, four and eight, their wardrobes, um, chock-a-block that have 50 outfits, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, but my concern is I'm looking at the little one on a Monday and she wants me to take the, her to gym and I've been taking her to gym, a four-year-old at gym. She is a solo parent, my daughter, but has just got a job. But the point is, we can't understand. Like she said, I mean, the children have to be involved in sport. It helps them. And I'm saying, it's too early. What is she going to gain from gym? She's got another person just disciplining. Yeah, this is how you turn around. This is what you do. This is what you... And I've spoken to other parents and go, they don't learn anything in two years. They know how to do a few somersaults. So... I, yes, I, I know I've got to bite my tongue so many times, but these children nowadays have got every, I mean, they've got every toy you could think of. Barbara, you're yeah. making some great points here. Let's get some insight here from Dr. John Warlow. John, uh, advice for a grandparent and their own child, giving the grandchildren everything that the grandparent couldn't give to their daughter. What, what are your thoughts here? Barbara, thanks very much, and I'm a grandparent too myself. And, yeah, it's hard when the pendulum, as it were, really swings the other way. It sounds that um, that your daughter is doing everything opposite uh, to what what you did and um, indulging the children is what I'm hearing, indulging the children, giving them so much. And there is a valid concern with that because when kids have so much, they can become incredibly self-centered and entitled uh, kids. And that that's a real, real concern. If I could, and good on you for taking the four-year-old to the gym, even though you might not be too happy with that. I think the big issue, what I'm hearing here, Barbara, and this is with you and your daughter. Now, we're likening a person uh, to a tower. As I said to Neil, I'm on the 65th floor. I'm not sure how old your daughter is. How old is she, Barbara? 40. 40. She's on the 40th floor. She's on the 40th floor. And then she's got a fourth floor kid and a a uh, seven-year-old, I think, seventh floor, coming up to eight. Um, I'm 66. Oh, you're 66. One floor above me. I look up to you, Barbara. Uh, There you go. And uh, that's brilliant. And one of the big issues here um, is... uh, you and your daughter, even more than your grandchild. Well, it's also your grandchild is just be that light into that grandchild's life. But the the critical issue, and it's not easy when you see the parenting going away, which you don't like, which you don't approve. And that's why we call the main essentials of the book, the Cure for Life book, is for you to connect with your daughter, for you to understand her. And she might then eventually start to open up and say, hey, mom, I didn't have this stuff in my life. And just look what's happened to me. I'm going to make sure this doesn't happen to my kids. For example, at that point, you might want to bite your tongue even more, uh, Barbara, such that you don't even have a tongue, uh, uh, as it were. Because if you can connect with and understand her, she will have a mother she, and that's the only thing you can be to her is, is that mother who can connect and understand. And in doing that, she's less likely to try and push the pendulum totally the other way and totally indulge the kids in everything she felt she might miss out on. 
That's not going to be easy, but give, give her a go just to connect and understand with her. And good on you for just helping with those kids. Barbara, from... Another thing is when the children, when the house is full of toys and you can't just have one room for toys and they're over there, they're everywhere. And I mean, it makes me anxious when I go there. Won't that eventually make kids, like the little fellow can't sleep at night, doesn't it um, over stimulate their minds, all these things around. Look, it's a bit oh. like a minefield, isn't it, Barbara, when you're walking across those floors? There's a toy here, there's a toy everywhere. And they can get overstimulated. And there is the whole thing of bedtime routine, of maybe making it, uh, just bringing the plane down to land, as it were, before nighttime. Um, but one of my other responses in some ways, and it's not much happy comfort, at least the four-year-old's not on a screen just before they go to bed, because that's going to be even worse than toys. But you've got a very valid point there Barbara. Thank you so much to Barbara from Brisbane. Time is running short. Just let's get a quick one in here from a Facebook uh, listener. Uh, Yvonne says I have a six year old son, a grandson I might say, uh, with lots of things going on in family. He gets very angry over anything that's not going on as he thinks it should. You can't reason with him until he calms down. Uh, shorter time, but is there a quick response for Yvonne, uh, John? Yvonne, this is really challenging. Just, uh, I think the biggest thing you can do as a grandparent is to connect and understand with your, with your child, with your own personal child, the parent of this one, and help them in doing that to actually connect and understand with this child. If overall the anger is causing a sufficient problem, then it'd be great maybe for that child to go and see the GP. We have run out of time, and thank you to everyone who has participated in our conversation over the past hour, and to Dr John Warlow, adult, child and family psychiatrist. We've been talking about the mind. You will be able to listen to a podcast of our conversation a little later on this afternoon uh, to check some of the things we talked about earlier on in the conversation, and we got very practical there, and uh, thank you so much to those callers who called in with those different scenarios. You can get a hold of Dr. John Warlow's books, The Cure for Life, Part 1 and Part 2. Part 1 deals with God-centered transformation. Part 2 deals with God-centered relationships. Some people want that little extra, that little professional understanding of what's going on in our lives and in the lives of our children. Get a hold of John's books. You can get those through the Vision store. Uh, easy to go online at vision.org.au. Find the store and you'll be able to search there and get a hold of John's books. DrJohnWarlow.com is John's website to connect with him directly. And uh, no doubt you can get a hold of his books on his website too. Dr. John Warlow, uh, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Great being with you again Neil thanks very much thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media to find out more about us go to vision.org.au